Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for having me out. Amen. Those of you who know me, those of you who don't, my name is uh, Pastor Bobby. Um, those of you who don't know me, how could you not know me? Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I got saved in Living Word 20 years ago, back in 2001. I got out of the, amen. I got out of the military. Amen. Yes, today is the Marine Corps birthday. Amen. If you don't know, it is. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, the Lord just got a hold of my heart, and uh, God put me under Pastor Reuben, and it was, man, what the Lord has done, and I met my wife in church, amen, and God's blessed me with three beautiful children, and my, me and my wife are doing well, amen, and uh, it's a privilege. To, uh, this is my first time preaching here in La Mirada, amen, so amen. Let's get right into it. I like the word, so let's get into it, amen. Turn me in your Bibles to John, John chapter 17, verse 23. This morning, or this morning, hello, it's the morning somewhere. Uh, tonight, I want to minister on the importance of unity, the importance of unity. I'm out there in the city of Paris. I've been out there for eight years. Uh, God has blessed us out there. Um, I just want to say how grateful I am to Pastor Reuben and the vision that God has given him. Man, just grateful for men of God who put their lives aside to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so in John chapter 17, when you have it, say Amen. John 17, verses 20 through 23. Man, this page is acting like I never read out of them. Amen. Okay, 20 through 23. The Word of God says, this is the Lord Jesus praying. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this tonight, Lord, and we thank you. For this opportunity to gather together as your church, we know, Lord, that your word says that it will never return void, but it will always accomplish what you set forth it to accomplish. I pray, Lord, let our hearts be open today, Father, to receive and bring forth the harvest in our lives, Lord. We pray that you would bless this time that we have together. We pray, Father, and ask that the Holy Spirit, that he would have the freedom and liberty to move as you will today. Lord, that we would understand the importance and the value of walking in unity, Father. We thank you tonight, Lord God. I pray you bless this time in Jesus' name. We all agree by saying, amen. Amen. Well, you know, like I was saying, you know, here we have the Lord praying for those who he says will believe through their preaching. So he's talking to us. Before this, he talks about to the disciples, but he says even those who will, who will believe after them, who will believe their words. And Jesus here, he's concerned. You can see that his people experience a spiritual unity that is like the oneness of the Father and the Son. 
See, as Christians, we, we can belong to different fellowships. Amen? We can, you, can, you can belong to Calvary Chapel. You can belong to Victory Outreach Praise Chapel. You can belong to Southern Baptist. You can belong to whatever you want to belong to. But really, we, we, what we really belong to is the Lord Jesus. Amen? We belong to the Lord and to each other. And see, here we see that unity is the condition we're born again in. See, when you're born again and you receive, when, when the Spirit of God draws a man to Christ, and then the Spirit of God reveals Christ, and then He gives you the initial faith to believe Christ, and you're born again, you're born in a spirit of unity. Amen. That's the Spirit of God. You're born in that. You're born with unity. And so we are born again in it, but we lose it when we don't understand its value, its purpose, and its necessity. Amen. First Timothy, Paul told his spiritual son Timothy in six in verse six uh, in chapter six verse twenty, guard the deposit entrusted to you. In Second Timothy, he tells him in verse uh, fourteen of chapter one, guard the treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we know in Proverbs four twenty three, the Word of God says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, Jesus in the scripture we read tells, above tells us the value of unity. He says here that the glory of God is manifest when the church walks in unity. He says the glory that, that you gave me, I give to them. Why does he do that? He says that they may be one even as we are one. We can't walk in disunity. We cannot walk in division and, and fulfill the purpose of God. Jesus also makes known to us the purpose of unity. He says that the purpose of walking in unity and living in unity is that the testimony of Christ to the world. Unity manifests the power of God as a witness to the lost and dying world. That they would be as one so that the world would know that, that, that you sent me. That unity is that important. So we have to ask ourselves, so how can we walk in unity in the life of the church. The first thing we have to do is that we have to recognize that division begins with believing a lie. Amen? Division comes with believing a lie. What I mean by that is the first division that was allowed in when we believe a lie first about God and then about our brothers and sisters. That when you want to learn about something, you go to the first time it's talked about. Amen? So the first deception that we see is where it's in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says that thou the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, will you surely die? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, it begins with believing a lie. You want to know how division starts? You think it starts because, well, I just don't like her. She just rubs me the wrong way. Or, you know, he, he, just, he never says hi to me or this or that. No, no, it's when <clears throat> one or two people believe a lie. See, as this story, story opens, <clears throat> this always happens to me. See, as this story opens, we have to look at the condition of mankind. When the serpent comes to Eve in the garden, the condition of mankind is that they're created by God, perfect morally and in perfect unity with God and with each other. That's what the nakedness represented, right? They were naked in the garden. It wasn't some kind of like nudist colony, amen? What it represented was the nudity represented that there was no shame. 
There was nothing to hide. They didn't have to hide from God and they didn't have to hide from one another. In the cool of the day, in the cool of the day, in the evening, they would walk and God would walk with them and there was nothing to hide because they were perfect and they were, they were as God created them in perfection. And, and now we see that that's where they were. they were. They were able to live without any shame or need to hide anything from either God or from one another. But the crafty serpent comes and he suddenly begins to question Eve, asking that asking questions that call into question the nature and the character of God. See, it always starts with a question. I, I, I've been working with this guy, and um, he's a blessing. He's a believer. But when he wants to, like, correct you, he never goes, hey, can I tell you something? Yeah, you ain't right. He goes, let me ask you a question. No, no. And what he does, I want to learn from you right now. That's what he'll say. And I go, oh, man, he just wants to, just, just tell me what I did wrong, you know? But he'll be like, let me, let me because right now we're just going to learn. So I just want to ask you a few questions. What made you think that that was the best thing? And I'm like, so that's not, no, I know I'm asking you. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know. You know what I mean? And it's just like, but it starts with a question. In the same way, the crafty serpent, he comes and he comes with a question. Did God actually say? See, it's the craftiness. Of, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See, here he changes the words of God subtly. From, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to, has he surely said you shall not eat of any tree? He calls into question very subtly the nature of God. From God walking with them in the garden, telling them of everything you see is yours to enjoy. But of that one right there, do not. He changes it to God is keeping you from, it's subtle. But see, if you give the devil a foot, he'll take a mile. He's not talking to you because he really wonders. He comes for, the only reason why the devil will ever come is to kill, steal, and destroy. But he never announces it that way. So you have to recognize that when the enemy starts to call, because division first starts within a man. Amen? Before I can ever be divided against my brother, I have to pull my will away from the will of God and begin to desire what I want to do over what God wants me to do. Once I've allowed that separation to take place, then it's inevitable that I'm going to separate and, and cause division among others. It happens in an, in an individual, and then it happens in the marriage, then it happens in the family, and ultimately it'll happen in the ministry. See, with this act, the serpent caused a division, and he was saying, he was saying, God's trying to, then he goes from that, once she's willing to respond to that. See, because we got to, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. So I don't have to have a conversation with him. I don't got to talk to him. I, I just got to see, okay, I'm going to, you're talking, but I'm going forward and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I refuse to engage you because you're already defeated foe. The Bible says, the Bible says that when we, when we walk in faith, we remind him of his perdition. There's an idea, there's an idea here of like uh, 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 horses on a hill. And a, and a farmer in a far off place, he shoots a shotgun, but in the hill, it sounds like it's coming from everywhere. So what will happen is the, 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 the noise will cause the, the horses to, 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 to divide themselves and run in different directions. See, but when, but when we hear that sound, when we stand in faith and refuse to allow that, that sound to divide us and allow that, to, that fear, because that's what it ultimately is, to cause us to seek after our own, but rather trust God, when we stand in that position, we not only show, we not only prove our faith to be true, but we remind him of his perdition, his destruction, that he's a defeated foe and his word means nothing. See, that's how we need to operate. We need to recognize that when the devil begins to speak into your ear, 
Amen. And he begins to tell you and call into question the goodness of God. I don't know. I'm not the only one who's ever been there. Right. I've never been. Well, what was is this really what God wants for my life? You ever been in a hard time and be like, man, you say you're good. But I'll tell you right now, every feeling don't feel that way. You begin to believe the lies of Satan. You begin to be able to believe what the enemy. It always begins with somebody believing a lie and not believing the identity that God says you have. And then what we have to do. Amen. Then he goes in from that. Once you can call that into question. See, because if the devil's allowed an inch, he'll take a mile. The next step towards bringing division is a direct attack upon the nature and the character of God. He goes, well, did he really say, he said you can't. Then he goes, no, what it is, Eve, is that he knows if you eat of this, you shall know good, and he's keeping something from you. Because he's not a giving God, he's keeping something from you. Because you bit the little lie, now you're more prone to believe the next lie. So you go, oh, man, you know what? Maybe you're right. Why would every tree? I mean, I mean, not, these trees are good, but what about that tree? I want that tree. Isn't it crazy in our fallen nature that we always want what we're not supposed to have? You know, it's weird. Amen. You're like, why am I like that? Because you're because you're in your flesh. See, with this, the serpent caused division. He was saying that God is keeping something from you and I. And you go, well, it doesn't seem that significant. Let me tell you, this, biting this kind of lie, this very, this very story we read is the act that the serpent caused a division that was so great, it, caused, it, it would require the blood of Jesus Christ to reconcile and bring us back to unity. It always seems little at the beginning. The next time we have God, Adam, and Eve in the same place, they're hiding from God, covering, covered from him and from each other. And when they're confronted, their reaction is to accuse others and blame God. He comes in the cool of the day. Where are you guys at? We're hiding in the bushes. Why are you hiding in the bushes? Because we're naked. Who told you you're naked? Oh, Lord. Comes out. Adam, come, yeah. Who told you you're naked? The woman you gave me. Amen? The woman you, you gave her to me. She lied. You gave her to me. What is it? It's division. Right from the get-go. It's your fault, God. And, and what is it? And there's no accountability. No, no accountability. Then the woman says, well, Lord, it was the serpent. No accountability. Division? When you have a divisive heart, the first thing that you should notice is that you refuse to take accountability for your situation. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always, well, why do they have to do that? Why does this, you know, you know, I would have done, I would have lived right, but the, the price of tea in China is going crazy. It's like, what does that got to do with you? I used to work with a person. She was so involved in all this stuff and, but she couldn't even like basically tie her own shoe. It was like, you're worried about a lot of things that have no bearing in your life. And because it's an easy deflection of actually taking action in the things you can take responsibility, take accountability. And that's what we require if we're going to walk in faith. Amen? See, now that we're born again, while we should be seeking to be in unity, but hopefully due to ignorance and not willing to revert to this scene, believing a lie about God's love and accusing each other, it happens. It starts with believing a lie. I've been serving the Lord 20 years. I've believed a lie. And allow that to bring division in my home. Allow that to bring division in my marriage. 
Allow that to bring division among my brethren. And you need the Lord to reveal that to you. Because you think you need an apology, and you do. You need to apologize to the Lord. Amen? See, because division is seeking being right over bringing life. See, once you believe the lie is, once the lie is believed, it begins to pervert our lenses. We will inevitably start prioritizing our own wants, our own will, and our own emotions over the will of God and the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 6, 25, he's talking about why do you worry? He tells them a bunch of stuff. And then 25 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when you, there's a book by this guy named A.W. A. Tozer. It's called The Radical Cross. If you're a reader, read that book. That book is bad. And he talks about the cross and he says it's an instrument of death and, and, and it always has its way. He says a person who goes to the cross will start out one way and, and will always end up dead. It never compromises, it never settles, and it never changes. It is an instrument of death, and when the Bible says you've been crucified with Christ, if that really is what it says, then you're dead to yourself. It's no longer I who live. But somewhere along the line, we think that God is doing our will. No, unity is more important. It's important to walk in unity. It's important to humble ourselves and recognize what God wants to do is more important than what I want to do. Amen? See, we have to recognize it because we feel unappreciated. We feel undervalued. We feel disrespected. We feel, we feel, we feel, we feel, we feel. The, the problem isn't that you feel because you have to feel. Amen? But the problem is that you're looking to be, uh, you're looking to be affirmed by somebody other than the only one who can affirm you, and that's the Lord. Amen? I, and I'm telling you, this is, I, I'm sitting there going, amen, too. Amen? I, I've been, done that. I feel underappreciated. I don't feel valued. You know, I mean, these people, they don't even respect me. Like, they don't even, no, 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 no. And then the Lord's saying, you're looking for them to validate you because you're not spending time in my presence. Because in my presence is what is fullness of life. You're not full on life because you're not in my presence. Because when we get in, amen. When we get into the presence of God, we receive the validation that we need. We, we, we recognize we're created. We're beautifully and wonderfully created in the image of our God. He loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. We recognize our value in what he's given us in his son. And, and it's not something that a man can convey. It has to be done in the presence of God. In, in your time of, of setting apart a time to seek his face. And, and then from that place, there, there's no appetite in you anymore. Because like I said, there's fullness of life. Amen? We, then we leave from a place of fullness and we be, are able to pour out in other people. Because I'm satisfied. Now, I don't have to be appreciated by, by people around me because I know I'm loved by God. I don't have to be, you know, I don't... I don't, I don't have to be, I don't have to be talked to, because here's the thing, what Jesus said is that he said, he told the disciples, he sat them down and he told them, look, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be um, lied about, right, and then I'm going to be murdered, and then I'm going to raise again on the third day. Right after that, he says, and if anybody seeks to come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. He said, this is the first, I'm going to blaze a trail. And if you come after me, you ain't got nothing else coming but the trail I'm on. You're going to have to. So see, here's the thing, like rejection and dying to yourself 
They don't affect the dead man. They affect the living. So as we learn to die to ourselves, we feel things. I tell people, like, I, used, I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would, I'd be asleep peacefully and wake up, and my mind would be racing two, three, just, blah, 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 just, just yelling at me and be full of anxiety and ah, worry. And, you know, because, like, when I got saved, I, my, my, my dad raised me to always be, uh, take care of what you need to take care of. Take care of your business, you know? So I've worked since I was 14. I got saved. I was a pastor, an associate pastor in a pastor room, but I worked and I had a good job. So I always financially was straight. You know, I never, I never, I, I, I had a lot of areas of my faith built up, but in trusting God in my finances, that was a lack. Amen. I was that guy at the gym that was all swole, but then when he wore shorts, he looked like a chicken. Amen. That area of my, my workout was neglected, right? And so when I went to pastor, God challenged me. He said, you're working in Irvine, you're pastoring in Paris, and you're living in Whittier. It's not going to, how are you going to grow the church that way? I went through a season where God showed me, and I'd wake up with this, uh, 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 like tripping out. And then one day in prayer, the Lord told me, you know what those are? Those are death pains. You ever, I, I've had, I've had, I've, as a pastor, I've been around people as they die. And usually at night is the worst. Even when you're sick, you notice usually at night it's the worst. And he's saying, you're dying to your dependency on yourself. You're dying. Because that's what my, it would be feeling. It'd be feeling this anxiety about you're not providing, you're not this, you're not that. Uh, uh, uh. And then through those seasons, through that season, I learned and got to see how God provides. Amen? I used to hear preachers talk, right, from the seat, and I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, I used to do a lot of that. Oh, okay, yeah, the check came in the mail, you know? You know what I mean? Right? I've done a lot of that. Because I was self, I was, I was sustaining myself. I hadn't learned to walk in faith in that. But I'm telling you right, man, I've been in the wilderness, but God has provided manna. Amen? He's provided. So you have to get to the place where unity is more important than being, you have to ask this question, is this, is this about me being right or is this about me bringing life? Christ, he went, once he went through the, because the Garden of Gethsemane is where he really died. Amen? Once he got up from that place, he was resolved. Hebrews tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Right? He, he was resolved and that's why he could stand in front of Pontius Pilate. Don't you want to tell me? I have, the, I have the power of life over death. He says, you have no power but what my Father gives you. Right? And then he goes and he begins to get whipped, lied, spit upon. He takes his cross and he's walking his cross. He could see Peter who told him, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And Peter's hiding out. He sees there's no disciples around him that they said they would never. And he's still walking it and he's able to go forward, be resolved, dead to himself to do the will of the Father. Why? Because he knew what he was going to do was going to bring life which was more important than him being, being recognized in the moment. Amen. And if we're his children and we call ourselves Christian, it's just not a box that we check. Amen. We have been born again, not, from, not of the blood, not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Amen. And so now that spirit lives in us. Amen. And so now we have, but sometimes we get deceived. Like I said, we have to repent. We have to say, Lord, I am sorry. I have taken my eyes off of you. And, I, and now I am more walking for myself than I'm walking for you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord God, and help me once again to get back on that path. I don't, and, 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 and like I told you, it's when you feel those feelings. 
You know, when you feel those things, it's like, well, man, you know, he says that he has come that we may have life and life more abundantly. Well, I don't feel that way. Well, the problem is in God. Amen. You remember when Joshua was going into the land and he goes and he takes Jericho and the walls of Jericho fall and then they go to take Ai and I think it's Ai where they lose. And, and Joshua comes back and he's crying. He falls down. He's crying. And I love this because I like when God talks to me. Like, he said, get up. I'm going to talk to you like a man. That's what he tells him. Get up and stand like a man. You know? Because we want to have a people like, it ain't right, man. It just, like, it's so hard. He told me you were going to be with me. He's like, shut up. Get up. Yeah. My promises have not changed. There's, there's, there's something wrong in the camp. Get right and then get going forward. And you're like, oh, okay, amen. So when there's something off, it's not God. God. It's not God. It's usually us. And we have to examine, examine our heart before God. And if there's a place where we need to repent, because the life of a Christian is a life of sacrifice. He gave his life for us. Amen. We give our life for him and for one another. Amen. And as we do that, it's not about it being fair. It's about it bringing life. Does this bring life? We must recognize the problem is not the problem. The problem is we believing a lie, and the solution is not that the whole world around us change, but that we change, that we repent and renounce the lies of the devil and accept the truth of God. Luke 7, 23, the word says, Jesus said, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Amen? When he went into the synagogues, he would preach and he would preach. And then one time he told them, they would started questioning him. He told them, blessed if you're not offended by me. Can you receive it? The next thing we have to learn to do is work together to make unity a priority. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, he says, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to you, to your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. See, we have to work together to maintain unity in the body of Christ. I told my church when I preached this, I told the church, if, if we're just going to play church, then I'm out. Because I got better things to do on a Sunday morning than be religious. If I'm not coming to the house of God to experience the power of God, amen, and to be a part of the move of God, then I have way better things to do. Amen? Like, I wouldn't even waste my time listening to me if God isn't moving. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's what it has to be about. We have to get to that place where it's like, no, unity is, because I, okay, you guys know who Ma Michael J. Fox is? What is the condition that he has? Does anybody know? Par is it Parkinson's? Okay, now that, that, that ailment it damages his nerves where he can't function. Right? Now, and the body of Christ, when we're, when we're not in unity, that's how we move. We move in confusion. The hand is not going where it's being told by the head because the head is Christ. But we're not listening. We're damaged. We're doing our own thing. The leg isn't moving, and then we're going to people talking to them about being whole, and there's no evidence of it in our own lives. That's what Jesus told, right? That's what he told. 
He says that they would be one as we are one. That, the, that they may know, that the world may know that you sent me. The world may know why. Because not that we have it all together or we're like Stepford Church. Amen? Wherever he's faking the funk. But that we so care and love each other. That like when I see my brother, like when I see, and, and you know what? My pastor, Pastor Ruben, he's done this for me. He's seen me tripping. And you know, we think we cover it, but not, we don't. Amen? I'll walk in and be like, okay, put on the fake. Put it on. Whew, get that smile. Uh, hey, pastor, how's it going? Good, bless, bless, you know? But he knows, amen? But you, and I'm going to give you the little, the little sneak trip because I'm a pastor like that now. I'm a pastor now, and, and what you realize is when you see people walking in the freedom of Christ, you know when they're not. There's a freedom and a liberty and a joy, and when they're not, you know it. You just, you just know it. Well, what's wrong? I don't know what's wrong, but you're not walking in the free. You're not free. You know, you're, you're, there's a bondage taking place. And so what happens is we need to determine that it is important for us to walk in unity together. We must work together to maintain the unity. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, it says, And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciled to the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for the sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we in him might become the righteousness of God. He's given us this. This, he's entrusted us with this stewardship. He's made us ambassadors. He sent us as a representative of his kingdom into the world to declare it. Amen. To, and, and what is that message? A message of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? To make, um, to make it, um, to harmonize. You know, the Bible says where there is no love, right? Even if you gave your body to be burned, Right? Or you could preach, he says, you could speak with the tongues of men or angels, but you have not love. You're a clanging brass. We were watching, I was watching, man, him play the drums. We were talking about how, just like, you know what I mean? It looks like, like I do it and it doesn't, he just makes it look like, like nothing. And it's just beautiful. Why? Because it's in unity. There's a harmony. If I get behind those drums, it's the opposite. Amen? <laughs> There's a disunity, and it sounds like clanging brass. It's the same drums. I could hit them with the same enthusiasm, but there's an understanding and a unity. He knows how to... Now, the word here is telling us that we've been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. Entrusted, not just to preach it, but to live it. Amen? And that reconciliation is first... It goes back to the book of Genesis. They were separated first from God and then ultimately led to division with one another. This world is all divided. Families are divided. You know, we have the message, church. We have the message that a man can be, and a woman can be reconciled to God. And then from that, God can reconcile us to one another. But we have to be an epitome of that. We need to be an example of that. We, and when, then we get, we get stuck because the reason why we get stuck, and I'm telling you from my own, my own personal experiences, is because we are short-sighted. 
We think that it's just a, well, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. What's not fair? Well, I'm not happy in this moment, so it's not fair. So I'm willing to stop everything. And it's like, look, he told Abraham, he told him that he would make him a father of many nations. When Abraham died physically, he didn't have many nations. It was a multi-generational promise that was to be carried out. We're children of Abraham. That promise is still being fulfilled, even though Abraham has gone to be with the Lord a long time ago. Because his faithfulness. Now, my pastor understands that. Your pastor understands it. Because I see this worship team. See, I've, I've been around, like, like I said, 20 years. She was in my youth, right? Okay, the, the, the guitar players, they were in my Sunday school. I always like to tell the story. I used to do the Sunday school, right? We were talking about Christian. I knew Christian when he was, uh, his head was the same size. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I was like, look, he was always an adorable kid always full of joy, always happy. And I see him doing the youth and I see him doing all these things. It's his wife, that blows my mind. Amen? I see the kids. These kids were in my Sunday school. They were so young that I would put on, I would put on a costume that wasn't even a mask. It was like fake teeth, right? And I would play this role and then I would go change and come back. And they, they, they would be like, that was you. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And they, like, they were at that age where they knew, but they didn't know. That's how young. And now they're worshiping the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I mean, it's like that's the multi-generational blessing. That's what it is. It's that generation. It goes from generation to generation. Our pastor understands that. He strives to maintain unity. You know, sometimes we want to go to him and complain, and we think that what breaks his heart is that we've been wrong. What breaks his heart is that there's division in the body when he knows that Christ died to reconcile us to one another. You know, and the longer we walk in division, the more comfortable we get with it, the more dangerous it is. To take communion with a divisive heart, the Bible says you bring judgment upon yourself. Think about that. He says, if you don't forgive your neighbor, he won't forgive you. You're sitting there lifting your hands, thinking everything's great, and yet you can't even, you, you haven't reconciled. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I know what they did to Christ. And they did that, so you, so you I mean, because people, people are like, well, what have you been through? It's like, well, I haven't been through a much. I haven't probably been through half of the hardships a lot of people have been through. But I tell you, what I stand on is the word of God, and I know what he's been through. He was rejected, ridiculed, lied about, spit upon, uh, you know, he was beaten with a cat of nine tails. He was, had a crown of thorns pressed upon his head. And then he went to the cross and was mocked. And then, and, and all he, he did all that and he did nothing wrong. So I might not be able to tell you that I sympathize, but Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who understands all of our afflictions. And so we have to understand that division, though you might think it's, it's a reasonable thing to hold on to, I'm telling you it's not. It's dangerous. And it's key, it'll keep the church from operating in the full power of God. Amen? I don't want to be a part of a generation where they say, yeah, revival happened and then the next generation, you know, you read it in Judges, right? They did what was right in their own eyes. Then God raised up a deliverer and then they died and then they did what, I don't want to be, I want to be a part of a generation of the kingdom of God that brings revival. Amen? I wanted to get into, you know, what happens when we allow division to come in then the enemy starts to begin to work on our insecurities. Because then once we're, you know, once, like, my brother, me and him say we had an issue. We don't, amen? But if we did, <laughs> anything he does from there is going to hurt my feelings. And it's going to play on all my insecurities. And he don't know any of them. He ain't even doing any of that. But I've allowed the enemy to come in. And now he's, he doesn't even know it. 
He could be, you know, I've had, I've, I've, I'm telling you, I've had this. Amen? You know, where somebody will come and be, hey, brother, how's it going? What do you mean, brother? What you saying? It's like, if he's, he's just showing you love. But you're so caught up. You, you're such believing the lie. And that's how we have to look. If somebody is acting like that, you got to look at it with those eyes. Like, oh, wow, my brother's believing a lie. My sister's believing a lie. You know? My wife's done that. She's like, man, my husband's believing a lie about me right now. How, Lord, help me to bring him out of that lie back into your truth. Because right now he's viewing me. Right now, my brother, he's viewing me the way he shouldn't. But Lord, give me the power to love him and, and, and use me to bring him out of the deception of the enemy, to bring him back into the light. Lord, use me. But the only person that can do that is a dead person, dead to themselves. Amen? It's hard. It's a real step of faith when you're stuck in that when you're stuck in that me, me mentality to be died, man, it, it can't be done unless you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You have to repent. You have to die yourself and be, because when you die to yourself, you make room to come alive in Christ. Amen. Like right now, like this is filled with water. If I wanted this to be filled with soda, I have to dump it all out. Because if like, there's a lot of water in here. If I put soda in there, it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to do what it needs to do. Amen. I want, so I got to pour it all out. You want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then you have to pour yourself out and make room. Then, because then the only way that you are raised again is, in, in, is when you die. That's it. And a, and a dead man does not get offended. A dead man does not feel rejection. Amen. So, so I mean, it's, I think it's a continuous thing. I don't think, it, you know, it's a continuous thing. But the less you're offended, the more you're dead yourself, the more useful you are for the kingdom. Amen? Let's stand tonight. Amen? Thank you for this opportunity. As a fellowship, you know, like the, 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 the type of calling that's on our pastor's life, as he sends out churches, the devil is always trying to find a way in. And, you know, even if I know he'll use people who are, are ignorant. And if you're not, if you're those of you who are mature, you, we have to be prayed up and Love those people sincerely. Because when I was young in the Lord, people were like, you got to love them on. I'd be like, oh, I love you, brother. But it wasn't, you know what I mean? You're just faking the funk. But when you go, Lord, help me. Help me to do what needs to be done to put this brother in, in you know, where they need to be. We've been blessed. Amen? Our ministry is blessed. The covering that we have in Pastor Ruben, that's his heart. I've seen people come to church in Buena Park ready to fight ready literally ready to fight and then the men, the men's home be like yeah what's up like they're ready to you know what i mean they're ready to to, to, to hurt him for the lord you know <clears throat> and then pastor ruben come out of the office and just start talking to him walking around the parking lot they walk out and they come back and they're laughing you know because what did he do he wanted to bring life amen let's pray heavenly father we come before you this tonight lord and we thank you we thank you, Lord, that you have provided all we need to walk in unity. It's one spirit, one father, one son. Lord, we thank you today, Father, that tonight, Lord, if we have any divisiveness in our spirit, Lord, any, any part of us, Lord God, that is self-seeking, Lord, we repent. We renounce it right now. We cancel the lie of the enemy, Lord God. Remove the scale from our eyes. It's the desire of our heart, Lord, 
to bring life, Lord God, to build your kingdom. We lay ourselves down. We take up our cross. We follow you, Lord. We follow in the steps that you went ahead before, Lord. Right now, I pray for every marriage, Lord God. Father, that you would remove the scales from our eyes, Lord. That we would no longer believe the lies of the enemy about our spouses. Those lies that would cause us to be jealous. Those lies that would cause us to think horrible thoughts. Lord, we renounce those things right now, Lord God. That our homes would be an example of unity. Sacrificial love, Lord God. That agape love. Tonight, Father, we pray for this ministry, Lord. For all of the living words. That we would walk in a spirit of unity, Lord God. That we would seek to look out for the benefit of others above our own. At whatever the cost is, give us a heart after your own, Lord. If we really don't care about our brothers or sisters, Lord, we repent right now, Lord God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord God. Give us your eyes. Give us understanding, Lord God. Give us wisdom. Give us a love, Lord, that's necessary, Father, to walk with one another, Lord, that your power would be made manifest in your church, Lord, that souls would be saved, that people would be healed, that, that the lost would be delivered, that your name would be glorified, Lord God. We thank you tonight, Father God, because we know, Lord, that you are faithful. We know that whatever we ask in your name, because we know that unity is according to your, it's the desire of your heart, Lord. We do not have, we're not asking amiss tonight. We're confident in our faith that you will give us the ability to walk in unity because we know that you desire that. That we would not be an example of confusion, but we would reflect clearly <clears throat> the glory of our Lord. Tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this tonight and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior,